The Megillah that we read on Purim at night and the day, there are two great heroes in the Megillah. It's a book which is focused on human heroism. God's presence in the Megillah is a question. To what extent one reads the Megillah and sees God in the story, and to what extent one emphasizes the fact, and this is the bottom line, that God is never mentioned directly in the Megillah at all, and that's a very good question. In my commentary on the Megillah, in We Eight Kazot, in Hebrew, I have a whole chapter devoted to that question. But I wanted to talk about briefly, as we prepare for Purim, about the leadership in the Megillah. There are two leaders in the Megillah. There's Mordechai the Jew, and there's Esther the Queen. Two different leaders, two different roles. Now, when you have two leaders... It doesn't always work out so well. For example, the first king of Israel, King Saul, he's the first king, and he has a teacher. His teacher is the prophet Samuel. And the way the kingship seems to be set up, at least as Samuel understands it, Saul is to be the king, but is to take directives from Shmuel, from the prophet Samuel. That partnership does not work very well. At the end of the day, and we read this on the Shabbat before Purim, Parshat Zachar, we have the torn coat of somebody, Saul or Samuel. Samuel says to Saul, God has torn the kingship away from you and given it to your friend who's better than you. Saul is out as king, and Samuel is out as the teacher of the king. The next king of Israel takes no direction or directives from Samuel at all, or from any prophet for that matter. He's essentially an autonomous king. A very important point in our study of Shmuel of the book of Samuel. The Megillah is different. There are two heroes. Each one has their distinctive role. The first hero, of course, is Mordechai HaYehudi, Mordechai the Jew, as he's called. And he is a steadfast Jew. The expression, Bechol Yom Vayom, in every day, every single day, is a marker for Mordechai the Jew. Every day, Mordechai, after Esther was taken into the harem of the king, every day, Mordechai would see how Esther is doing. Every day, to see about Esther's welfare, he's a steadfast person. Every day in the court, when he comes to the court of the king, they would ask him every day, why the other people in the court? Why don't you bow down to Haman? And he refuses. He refuses to bow down. That's who Mordechai is. And Mordechai, who's on the inside of the court, understands that he has provoked the wrath of Haman when he refuses to bow down to Haman, and Haman finds out about it. And by the way, it's not that Haman notices that Mordechai is not bowing down. He doesn't notice. It's the other people in the court who inform on Mordechai. Be that as it may, once Haman does find out, and being the egomaniac that he he is, he determines not just to kill Mordechai, but to kill all of the Jews. He presumes that the not bowing down has something to do with Mordechai's Jewishness, and therefore, he's determined to eliminate all of the Jews. So Mordechai understanding what is happening. He understands it all. He knows everything. And he approaches his adopted daughter, his cousin Esther, an orphan, 
whom Mordechai has raised and taken care of and watches over her and cares about her. And Mordechai is standing wearing sackcloth and Esther sends messenger to find out what is going on here. Why is Mordechai wearing sackcloth? Why is he in mourning? And Mordechai informs Esther about the decree, shows her the decree, that all the walls of the kingdom, all Jews to be annihilated on the 13th day of the 12th month. And he instructs her. He instructs her, as he instructed her earlier, even as she, she becomes the queen, she listens to what he says, to go to the king and to beg the king for her people. And Esther's response in the fourth chapter of the Megillah, great turning point of the Megillah, and Esther's response is, everybody knows that you can't just go to see the king. You have to be summoned to see the king. And if you're not summoned to see the king, no matter who you may be, you're put to death. The law is, you're put to death. She's a law-abiding Persian. She's afraid, understandably, but she also mentions the law, the dot. You've got to keep the laws. The Megillah is filled with laws. They fall into two categories. One is idiotic. That's the beginning of the Megillah. The other is genocidal. Those are the laws of Persia. In short, Mordechai knows what's happening. He knows the story of the Jews. Esther knows the protocols of the court. Esther says, I can't do what you want. I can save you. She sends a coat to dress Mordechai. He refuses to accept it. It's not about me, says Mordechai, in effect. You have to save the Jews. Mordechai sends a second message to Esther. Don't think you'll escape the fate of the Jews. And he says two things. First of all, don't be sure you'll escape the fate of the Jews. But he says something else. This is the title of my book in Hebrew, Imriyet Kazot. Perhaps this is why you became the queen for this moment. This is your mission in the world. Mordechai is a Jew of Bechoyom Voyom, a steadfast and constant Jew. Esther's never called Esther the Jew. She's Esther the queen. This is your moment. Go and beg the king for your people. And Esther sends the message to Mordechai, I will go to the king for my people. But she doesn't do what Mordechai told her to do. She does go to the king, but she doesn't beg the king for her people at all. She goes to the king and says, come to a party. And at that party, what do you want, Esther? The king knows she has risked her life to see the king. Come to a second party, each time you and Haman. Because Esther knows that begging the king, she knows the king, she lives with the king, she's on the inside of the palace, Mordechai's on the outside, he doesn't understand. You can't approach Ahasuerus in terms of equity, fairness, right and wrong, ethics, that's not his language. He has one interest, self-interest. And the only way to save the Jews is to appeal to his self-interest. To get him to believe that Haman, the wicked Haman, is as much his enemy as Haman is the enemy of the Jews. And only after he understands that, then Esther begs for the Jews. And it's not so simple even at that point, but the king grudgingly agrees to allow the Jews to defend themselves and to support themselves. And this is the partnership. There is the visionary, call it the prophet. Mordechai is not a prophet, but he's a visionary. He understands what has to happen. But then there's the one who has to implement. Mordechai knows what has to happen, but he has no idea how to make it happen. And Esther has to be convinced what has to happen. She is convinced. And then she has the genius of understanding 
how you make it happen. And that's the great partnership. Leadership comes in many forms. And the beauty of the Megillah is that the two different forms of leadership come together. It's a partnership which actually works in this case. The one who has the vision of what should be happening. And then, of course, Esther, the heroine, Megillat Esther, she understands how we make our dreams come true, how we implement the vision.